business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello, everyone. Shep Hyken here on Amazing Business Radio on the CBS and Play It Network. And I am excited because today we have Linda Kaplan-Thaler, who is an advertising, excuse me, make that advertising genius. Uh, I'm excited about this person because I'll tell you why. I actually met her back in 2008. And when I saw her again, just about a month and a half ago, I said, how do I know this person? And then I realized that, yes, I know who she is. She was a person that came up with the Aflac duck quack. You know what I'm talking about, Aflac. I love that. And a number of other great, great advertising campaigns, such as the uh, Yes, Yes, Yes for Clairol, um, and Jingles for Kodak Moments, and Toys R Us. And basically, she's a genius in the world of PR and advertising. She's got a great story behind her. But more importantly, she's got a book that just came out called Grit to Great, where uh, Linda and her and her co-author, Robin Koval, wrote this book. And I read this book in literally one quick trip on the flight. I got this book the next day I'm on an airplane. I started reading it, couldn't put it down because not only there's good takeaway, but there's also great stories. And I love learning from other people's experiences and stories. So Linda, we got a lot to talk about in a short time. Welcome to Amazing Business Radio. Well, thank you so much for having me on your show and uh, that great introduction. And I just have one word to say to you. Aflac. Aflac. <laughs> okay. So, you know what? I, I, let's do this. I want to hear about the Aflac story because it is a great story. But first, give us a little background. You know, where did you come from? Where did you grow up? Tell us a quick little bit about who Linda is. Well, like uh, Robin Covell, uh, my business partner and the uh, co-author of all our books, uh, from the Bronx, and we learned a lot of four-letter words, but I think grit is uh, probably the most powerful that uh, we learned. You had to be gritty growing up in the Bronx because there was really nothing else. There was no culture. There was no, there was nothing, uh, and nobody had any money, and uh, I grew up. I had public education all the way. I went to uh, public college, City College in New York, but I got a great education. And as I tell people, City College ultimately gave me something that no Ivy League school ever did. Which was? An, accept- an acceptance letter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I got a great education there. I got my master's in music there. And um, I started out in theater uh, and did that for most of my 20s and realized that although I was passionate about theater, I was passionate even more about eating at least once a day and took a job in advertising where I got to perform and present my work and write funny stuff and write songs. And I guess my first big break was writing the jingle, I don't want to grow up, I'm a Toys R Us kid. And that kind of um, sort of got me the kind of national attention uh, that uh, I was very fortunate to have, you know, it, uh, it's somebody who was just about 30 years old. And now that I'm in my incredibly late 20s. And you look great. Oh, well, thank you so much. Uh, no, I, I, have, I think uh, I, I bring at least, if nothing else, a lot of wisdom to uh, growing my own company with Robin, which... Um, we started several years ago, and within the first two years, it was one of the fastest-growing ad agencies in the United States, and now merged with publicists. It's over 800 employees, multi-billions in billings, and we realized that we didn't get there because of an, our enormous talent. We have some talent, but not a lot. We're bright, but we're not geniuses, and we realized, hmm, how do we get to where we are? How did we do that? And realized we didn't have the factor. Uh, immense IQ or virtuoso talent, we had what we called the grit factor. And we said, 
let's look at some other people out there who don't have the it factor. And we found that uh, Colin Powell uh, was a C-minus student in college. And Michael Jordan didn't even make his high school varsity basketball team first time he tried out. And Jack Ma of Alibaba, when he graduated, couldn't even get a job at KFC. The list goes on. Steven Spielberg was rejected from film school three times. And we went, you know, what is it? Why did these people become so famous and realize that they had this enormous amount of perseverance and tenacity, which we call not the it factor, but the good factor. And that's what we decided to write our book about, to let people know that it is attainable. You don't have to be born with it. You can work at it and develop it just like these people did. Well, and Grit to Great is the title of the book, great book. And again, I'm going to emphasize to everybody listening to this, Christmas is just around the corner. Now, we're dating this show, but it's important. Christmas is around the corner. New Year's is right around the corner. So what a great gift, uh, the gift of grit uh, or even a gift to yourself as the new year kicks in. Give yourself a little extra grit. You know, get focused on that little extra effort. That's something. Because here's here's the deal. You went from the New York City School to City College to chairman of a multi-billion dollar advertising agency. And you're a smart person. I know that. Okay. But it takes a little bit more than just being smart. I know a lot of smart people that don't run ad agencies, let alone multi-billion dollar agencies. Well, you know, it's so interesting because as we really dug into this research, and it's a very short book for people to read, but, you know, it takes a long time to write a short book. And we looked into, you know, new groundbreaking research, which actually shows that people who are born prodigies, I mean, genius people, only 2% of them become successful. As a matter of fact, a disproportionate amount of people who've had challenges early in life and didn't, you know, get the, the, the incredible SAT scores by, by just, you know, whizzing through tests, they became much more successful, partially because they really knew how to get through roadblocks. People who have it so easy because of this innate intelligence often give up later in life because they can't believe things, wow, things can be really hard. Wow, wow. Okay, before we get into the book, we need to know this story. How did Aflac, how did the duck become the duck? Well, it's so interesting. Our agency was a little baby agency, a little fledgling, a little duckling agency uh, about 18 years ago. And we were a very little unknown company, and we got a call from somebody down in Columbus, Georgia, about this company we never heard of called Aflac. They had, at the time, 3% awareness. They had spent $100 million worth of advertising over the last several years, and nobody knew who they were. A hundred million dollars, and they still don't know who Aflac is. Yeah, exactly. And we didn't know who they were. And they said, "Well, we do, you know, insurance and whatever." Okay, all right. And we thought they, we thought they were so small that they just wanted like a, a print ad or something. But we have this policy um, based on a book that we wrote earlier called "The Power of Nice," which is every phone call gets returned. Everybody, everybody. I don't care if you're a college intern, you know, a college student looking for an internship. So we answered them and. When we found out how much they'd been spending, we were like, how quickly can we fly down there? Because they obviously were not using their money wisely. And we were pitching against several other agencies. And they gave us all this mounds and mounds of research of what they wanted in the advertising. They wanted it to be very deeply emotional. I wanted to talk about what the different policies did. But Robin and I were smart enough to walk over to the CEO and we talk in the book about, you know, digging deeper than everybody else. And said, aside from all this, 
what really keeps you up at night? And he said to us, you know, Linda, nobody can remember the name of our company. Even my relatives cannot remember the name of our company. It's it's a difficult name to remember because it's it's a made up word that's actually actually an acronym, American Family Life Assurance Company. And we said that's it. Forget about all the information you gave us. Our thirty second ads that we're going to show you are going to give away for all, everybody in America to remember the name Affleck. We go back to the agency. And nobody can remember what we're pitching. And over and over and over again, they keep coming up to Robin and me. What's the name of the company? What's the name of the company? And we keep going, Affleck, Affleck. Finally, one of the art directors pinched my nose. We're a very informal company. And he said, say that again. And I went, Affleck. Affleck. He said, well, apropos (laughs) of nothing, just as a joke, he said, apropos of nothing, you, you you do know you sound like a duck quacking. Well, I may not be an intellectual genius, but I do know a good idea when I hear it. And I went, that's it. And so America's going to remember the name. We're going to have a, a duck quacking the name Affleck over and over and over again just to get awareness. And uh, the CEO, chairman of the company, refused to even test the commercial because he thought it was insulting. And this is a very serious company with very serious policies. So Robin and I put up the money ourselves to test it. It cost $25,000. Now that's and- grit. That is grit. That is grit, and part of grit, you know, is an acronym, too. We, we, we define grit as guts, resilience, initiative, and tenacity, G-R-I-T, and that took a lot of guts. And we didn't have that kind of money to throw around. And he said, if the agency is willing to spend their own money, I'm willing to test it. Came back with the highest recall score ever in the insur- ever in the category of financial or insurance. And they went from 3% awareness to 96% awareness. Oh, wow. More well-known than M&Ms or Coca-Cola within two years. And now we, we like to – we pride ourselves in saying that they are so well-known that when ducks see other ducks, they immediately think of supplemental insurance. So <laughs> that's, that's when you know you've been successful. No, but, I mean, it's been fabulous for the company. Um, it's been fabulous for us. It really put us on the map and – you know, and our agency grew and grew and grew. But it's an example that we talk about, you know, often in, in our books about really sticking sticking to what you believe in and, and willing to sort of walk that tightrope, you know, walk, walk without a, a safety net because it does take a lot of guts. And I will also say that we interviewed Nick Walenda for our book, uh, Nick Willand is the guy who, among other things, walked across the Grand right, Canyon. Right, yeah, from the, the amazing Willanda family. The amazing Willanda family. And what an interview we had with him because he, he taught us so much about, you know, what it feels like to really face fear. And he said for him, he said, I know it looked really scary what I was doing, but it was pretty much of a cakewalk because I had practiced it for five years under every available wind current in my backyard. And there was no way, you know, I would just, I was, I practiced it. And and so what he taught us that we put in the book is the idea of embrace fear. Don't run away from it. In fact, his great grandfather is famous for saying life, real life is on the high wire. Everything else is just watching. And I love that phrase because you're supposed to feel scary when you're doing something that's new. That's living. The rest wow. of it is just, you know, being on the sidelines, sleep, sleeping through life. Well, the Affleck commercial, 18 years later, is still stronger than ever. And when I saw you do that interview in 2008, you talked about awareness. 
And uh, awareness is different than acceptance. And I think there's a big difference. And one of the things you talked about, and I'll never forget this, and I only heard you and then afterwards we spoke for about maybe 45 seconds because I thanked you for the wisdom. I was actually getting ready to release a book. My publisher gave me some crazy title that I wasn't sure was an appropriate title called The Cult of the Customer. It all focused on customer culture. And I said, can you just tell me in in like a gut feeling, what do you think? And you said, well, kind of like Affleck, maybe it'll make people aware because the word cult stands out the same way that duck quacks. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, that high level of awareness doesn't mean people love you, but it means people remember you. And that is the first start to beginning more business is that they're at least aware of you. And I would imagine some people love the quack. Some people hate the quack. Some people don't care about the quack, but they all remember the quack. You know, it's so interesting that you say that because what people think is important is everybody needs to like something and accept it, but vanilla is a very boring flavor. And also, when you get accosted with five or 6,000 messages a day, as we do, you know, like good cooks spaghetti only a couple actually stick to the wall or stick to your brain. Right. It's so important. Even if you're polarizing, you just have to be remembered. And I tell clients that by standing still, you're actually going under. That if you're not moving at this incredible velocity, the way that the word, is, the world is spinning and technology is, is just exponentially increasing, you really are going backwards. And part of that is sort of embracing the fear and going, okay, what do I need to do to get out in front? And, and part of it is also to do about, you know, not just preparing, but we call it over-preparing. We tell people when you finish a presentation or you have an idea or whatever, spend another 30 minutes on it, even if you feel you don't want to. There's a great new article that just came out. You know, our book came out in September, but we could write another book filled with all new information and research on this idea of grit and creativity. That what they did, it was a test that just came out where they took two groups of people. And one group, they said, you know, come up with 10 ideas for this product. And the other group, they said, after you come up with the 10 ideas, come up with 15 more. And people hit this wall and they went, oh, I really can't come up with any more. And they said, no, no, you have to sit here until you come up with 15 more. And what they found is that the people who were willing to work through that, who exercised their grit, were willing to work through that roadblock – not only did they come up with 15, 20, or 30 more ideas, but they were actually better than the original 10. And what came out of the study was that if you could just sit with somebody, something a little bit longer, just be willing to work through those naughty problems, when you get to the other end, you actually have created something that's even better. We talk in the book about James Dyson. You see him as the, you know, you know him as the inventor of the bagless vacuum cleaner. But what you don't know is that it took him 15 years, and he had 5,126 prototypes that totally sucked. Or Oh, that's okay. They, they sucked. Suck. Come on. <laughs> they didn't suck. It's a suck. vacuum cleaner. You know what? This is a good time yeah. to take a real short break. When we come back, we're going to learn more about Dyson. We're going to learn more about your book, Grit to Great, because there's some great stories in there. I want you to share a couple of them. We are talking with Linda Kaplan-Thaler about Grit to Great. You're listening to Amazing Business Radio. My name's Shep Hyken. Don't go away. We'll be right back. You're listening to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep Hyken here back on Amazing Business Radio talking with Linda Kaplan-Thaler about her new book, Grit to Great. 
And we just were talking about briefly James Dyson, who came up with the vacuum cleaner. And uh, we were joking about how he had a bunch of prototypes, 5,126 prototypes that absolutely sucked. They, well, they didn't suck the dirt. They just were really bad, apparently. Not good <laughs> enough. <laughs> so really, it was the last one, the 5,127th one that really sucked. <laughs> and that was the one. <laughs> so that's a story about how you just work through it because you know you're so close. And um, who was it? Uh, Edison talked about, you know, none. Of, it wasn't that he had failures. He just was getting closer and closer to the right answer. Yeah, he said they were just he, he he just found thousands of ways for it to not work, you know, uh, you know, for the light bulb to not go. I mean, that's that's the whole the whole point is why failures. And J- Dyson talks about you know what he originally had planned for this bagless vacuum cleaner was pale the comparison to what he ended up with because of all the failures he had along the way. And you know, we we give lots of tips in the book. We call them grit builders of ways to get through, you know, the really difficult part of like sitting with something and sitting with something and working through it. And we even talk about embracing embracing boredom. You know, we're a culture that's so ADD and we've got to have distractions every second of the day. And it really takes time away from, you know, that contemplating your navel, just looking up at clouds and trying to come up with formations and, and our creativity just sort of goes through the roof when we have those points of vacuity when, you know, we're, we're like just sort of mindlessly thinking of nothing because the brain is always trying to find a way to make connections. And we encourage people, don't worry about being bored. And don't, don't rush to like answer those emails or, or a text or look at another, you know, cat video. Cat think video. about what you're, yeah, you, yeah. There's a woman that we interviewed. We had so many great interviews. This woman is um, an Icelandic educator. And I'm going to do a very bad version of her accent, but she teaches kindergartners how to be bored. They have to pick an activity, and whatever it is, they have to stick with it for a half hour. So you can imagine. So she talks about these little boys who take up knitting, and she teaches them how to do knitting. And then after about five minutes, they want to quit and know they have to continue. And they're crying, and they're wailing, and meanwhile, they're knitting. And then they get to the end of a row, and, and everybody gives them applause. And she goes, good. Good to be bored. Boredom is a good thing because when you grow up and you're in the job, you're going to be plenty bored. Yeah. And, you know, which is sort of interesting because in Iceland, which has about three people in it, I mean, I guess you you do have to learn how to work through boredom. But I, <laughs> but what's so fascinating is it's really teaching kids resilience, isn't it? It's really teaching them that it's okay to not be entertained every second of the day. And we, you know, think about it, our... Our predecessors thousands of years ago, you know, when they were trying to, you know, create fire from two sticks, um, imagine if they had an Angry Bird app to distract them, we, we'd be a much colder place. So I think <laughs> the important thing to remember is, you know, it's okay to be bored and go with it. You know, it's a great article recently in the Times about Einstein and um, theory of relativity. And he, uh, as many people know, worked in a patent office for years because Jews were not allowed any other kinds of jobs. And he said, thank goodness for the patent office, because I was so bored, my mind would wander. And one day he was sitting back in his chair, and the chair was about to fall, and he started thinking about gravity, and, well, if I was falling when there was no gravity, then I wouldn't be feeling it. And he said, next thing I know, I'm thinking about that spherical bowling ball on the trampoline. And he said, that was the beginning of me really starting to um, invest a lot of my mental acuity to the theory of relativity. And I said, people, 
you know, we don't have that kind of downtime in our lives anymore where we really allow ourselves to just sort of free associate and just imagine what you can come up with. Um, you know, years ago there was a study done with people in the shower. I don't know about you, but I have a lot of great ideas of them in the shower. Oh, yeah. Thought, shower while I'm riding my bike. I mean, where because you, your mind is getting yeah. – yeah. Well, because shower and, and the bike, and the one thing about the shower, which is a great study that was done, done in uh, Mexico, the University of Mexico, was that they found that uh, the hot water uh, makes the blood flow increase in the brain. And when you do that, the dentrites are more active. So it's not a coincidence that you have a little good ideas. And when you're bicycling, you have a greater blood flow also when you're doing aerobic activity. So we need to allow ourselves to do a little, a little bit more of that free association because incredible things happen, and we are too, we are too much. You know, we we fall into this sort of thing of having to be entertained all the time, and it's not good, and especially not good for our kids. One of the things that got a lot of notice for the book, which did become a bestseller uh, a couple of weeks ago, was a CNN. Did Congratulations, a piece on, by the way. Thank you. Yeah. CNN did a piece on parenting uh, online. Um, and they did a whole thing about the book saying, you know, or have our kids, you know, lost their grit? Have our kids, are we bringing up kids that are too soft? And we started, the interview was really about the self-esteem movement and which resonates with a lot of parents that I talked to at our, you know, uh, speaking events. The self-esteem movement, which started about 20, 30 years ago, basically said, you know, our kids need to be empowered. We need to tell them how unique, how special they are, how brilliant they are. Nobody should ever feel like they're a loser. Everybody's a winner. You know, they started giving trophies, you know, to ninth place, 10th place people uh, at schools, at birthday parties. They stopped playing um, uh, musical chairs because everybody's a loser except the last person. I mean, it went on and on and on. And That doesn't sound like fun. (laughs) <laughs> no. Well, what well, what's happened is we've created a generation of people who are now millennials and a lot of kids being raised now where they get very disappointed when they get into the job market and they find out, you know what, they really are winners and losers. <laughs> I don't know about you, but in the advertising business, there aren't even, even – there's no silver ribbons. Okay? Right, right. Either, either you get the, the job or you don't get the job. Or you don't get the job. And so you know, one of the things that I do in my talks is basically tell these kids, regardless of what your mother told you – or your Aunt Betty, um, you're not special. You're really not special. And you know what? It doesn't even matter whether you went to an Ivy League school. It doesn't matter what your SAT score is. It really is going to be your persistence that's that's going to be the secret sauce. And this has all been proven now. I mean, it's not just me saying it. Uh, University of Pennsylvania, there's been all this research done on, on grit. It is the biggest marker for success. And, you know, I think that it resonated. The the CNN piece jumped from the parenting section to the health section to the homepage uh, where it was on there for two weeks of thousands and thousands of people writing in. And that's what really catapulted the book to bestseller. Status was all these people writing in going, yeah, we've got to let our kids fail. We've got to tell them that they're not special. We've got to tell them it's all going to be about the work ethic. So I would uh, would put a twist on that. I don't know if, if they're not special. They're as special as they want to try to, to be, and and, and I and the yeah. what I mean is is that you just basically you create your own fate, you create your own destiny, you know where you're going, and you decide you want to get there, and and I, my daughters went to a school uh, in grade school through sixth grade where there was not 
competitive sports. There were no competitive sports. And I'm really glad that we went outside the school to put the kids in soccer league and Good. softball. And they got to experience what it's like to strike out or what it's like to have a goal scored against you. Uh, my daughter was the goalie, by the way. <laughs> so when they went, you know, and, and so it was good to learn those things. And today, you know, my daughter, by the way, in New York, I should have her look you up in case she needs bail money. But the, uh, uh, my daughter's living in New York. She graduated uh, December of last year, six months early. She wanted to be in the music business. She met a guy who said, I can't pay you anything but commission if you want to help me manage my bands. But she loved the bands, and she loved what he stood for. And he said, in the next three to six months, if you haven't met the person that's the connection that's going to get you the job in the music business that you want, then you're not good enough. Basically is what he said. And I'm paraphrasing, but that's basically what he said. And she went to work for this guy. And at the end of about six months, she was ready to leave. But she was making enough money that she's not going to stick it out. But she has landed that job through the connection. And it's just so exciting to see how she planned it out. And I think, you know, and she said, you know, what was really unique. And at Thanksgiving this year, she said, I am thankful that my parents let me do and and really supported what I wanted to do instead of doing what the rest of my friends' parents did, which is make them go to school, finish school, and get the job that the parents always wanted them to get. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, I totally, I totally get that, you know. And it's it's hard to let go. We we have a story in the book of teaching my daughter when she was five to um, my, my kids are in their twenties now, teaching her to ride a bike and how I would like kept holding onto her seat so she wouldn't fall. And, of course, she couldn't learn to ride a bike. And two years later, this, you know, many Advil later, my back is killing me. And this guy who was in the 70s came pedaling over and he said, you know, Mom, I see you're having a tough time teaching your daughter how to ride a bike. Let me let me show you how to do it. So he balanced her on. He started to give her a push. And I said, yeah, but you didn't tell me what I'm supposed to do. He said, oh, I'm so sorry. Take your hands and put them in your pocket. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And he pushed her and she fell, and my heart was in my throat. He pushed her and she fell. She went a little further, and he pushed her the third time, and she just kept on going. And, you know, it's it's so proof positive that we need to let go, right? We need to let go figuratively. We need to let our kids fail and fall. And, you know, that great book called Blessings of the Skin Knee, we have to let our kids get hurt once in a while. They cannot grow. They cannot develop on their own. And as painful it is as a, as a parent, you know, you want to protect them, but you're really not helping them. And we have just created a culture where so many kids have had their handhelds for so long that we can they get out there and look your daughter really had a push and she really had to work for it and you let go and you said okay yeah. we'll support whatever you want to do but you're but you're kind of on your own um so metaphorically allowed, yeah. yeah i when yeah. my daughter went to new york and i remember last january 2nd we put all of her worldly possessions in a duffel bag. We sent her up to New York. We didn't even go with her to help her move into her own apartment, her first wow. apartment. Wow, wow. How, how old is she? She was, uh, at the time, 22. Uh, it wasn't even yeah. 22. She Was she 20? Yeah, she may have just turned 20. Anyway, uh, she goes up there on a Sunday, walks around and writes down all of the addresses of the help wanted signs that she's found because she knows she's going to have to supplement her income yeah. at the beginning. And on Monday, she went and filled out applications. On Tuesday, she had a job. And I told her, you know, and talk about putting your hands in your pocket. She said, Dad, I need to do this on my own. Sure, I might need a little help right now. And you <laughs> yeah. know what? Uh, six months later, 100% on her own in New York City, 
She's got a, what she thinks right now is her dream job, and I hope it is her dream job. I hope she always feels that way. But it's a great way to start. And yeah. Uh, yeah, so proud. And that was what I did. Metaphorically, she was riding that bicycle and learning how to ride, and I put my hands in my pocket. And so that's a right. great lesson. All right, let's take another quick break. And when we come back, we're going to finish up and with a couple more ideas from Grit to Great. We're talking with Linda Kaplan-Thaler. My name's Shep Hyken. You're listening to Amazing Business Radio. We'll be right back. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Shep Hyken here back on Amazing Business Radio on CBS and Play It. And we're talking with Linda Kaplan-Thaler about her new book, Grit to Great, just came out. And if you haven't bought somebody probably what they will consider one of the best gifts they'll get at the holiday season. It is time for you to get this book, Grit to Great, available everywhere. You can go on Amazon right now and get it. And even if you have bought something forever, buy it anyway. It's not that expensive. Stick it in the stocking. And, uh, hey, maybe they celebrate Hanukkah. It's not too late to just say, hey, I forgot there was something extra. And, of course, there's New Year's. I can't think of a better way to get motivated than by reading this book, Grit to Great. And so, I mean, there's so many great stories about people that you can't believe how they were failing and then just turned it around. And, and at the short break that we had, we were talking about Stephen Jobs, and you said, well, that's one, but the list just goes on and on and on. What are some of your favorites? And then the other thing you said to me was, uh, grit has no expiration date. And I want to talk about that before we get off today. Well, first of all, there's so many amazing famous people that, <laughs> like I mentioned before, Colin Powell was a C-minus student, and and yes, Steve Jobs, you know, never made it through college. And you find people. We have one story in the book of a guy who went through his entire life uh, as a fisherman, and when he was in his 90s, finally confessed to his family that he was illiterate, and had been faking it all those years. I mean, talk about grit to be able to fake it. And then at the age of 96. He hired a tutor, and not only did that tutor teach him how to read, but he decided he wanted to write, and in his late 90s, wrote his autobiography, um, The Language of a Fisherman, which became an instant bestseller, and Obama actually had him in the White House uh, to congratulate him. You know, this goes to this whole notion of, like a good Twinkie, um, Grit has no expiration date. There is <laughs> twi- no point. A Twinkie's always good. Like a good Twinkie. A Twinkie's is always good. <laughs> it, it, it has a half-life, but it's always good. But the point is that you don't have to be born with grit. I call it humanity's great equalizer. Anybody can have it. Anybody can attain it. And this notion that you've got to make it before you're 30 is crazy. Actually, most of the apps and most of the technology that's developed in Silicon Valley are people in their 50s and over. So... Nobel Prize winners are notoriously in their late 50s, 60s, and 70s. I mean, there's a woman working at IDEO, a great design firm in the West Coast. She's in her 90s. This, The fact is the fastest-growing segment in the world today are centenarians or people in their hundreds. So I always say to people, what's your friggin' rush? You know what I mean? It's like right, you're right. probably going to have two, three, or maybe four careers um, because your lifespan is going to be much longer than it was years ago. And the word retirement, by the way, when we researched it, you know it's an invented term that came out in the industrial age? that there is nothing in it in literature. There's no word mention of it. It's not in any language before the 1900s. It came about because in Germany they had to get rid of most of the elderly work, older people in the workforce because they, there weren't enough jobs to go around for the younger people, so they invented this word retirement. But the fact is that we shouldn't be retiring, but as Sherry Lansing, former um, 
CEO of Paramount said, we should be rewiring. That's what we need to do. People are not happier when they are doing nothing. Yeah, they, fact, I mean, they die sometimes. They just, you know, they, they find they they do a little self-worth. And and yeah, they exactly. just go. Yeah, that's brain sad. Cells, brain cells do not die as you age, contrary to what we've been told. Neuroscience has proven brain cell activity grows and grows and grows as long as you're using your brain. And so what we tell people is, you know, and it's true, happiness is not the absence of problems. Happiness is the way you feel when you solve problems. And solving problems is something that you want to do till the day you leave this earth. And hopefully you can use your grit for good. Um, And we we have a lot of stories about ways that you can use your grit to pass it on to others, to help others. I think for me, one of the most rewarding things about this book is the notion of empowering people, whether they're college students or people over 60, that you can be better than you thought you could be. And nobody has an edge on you. And as a matter of fact, people who have had disabilities, a disproportionate amount of people who have disabilities at an eclectic or sometimes very challenging childhoods have a better chance of becoming enormously successful. So something to think about as we enter the new year. Wow. Well, I think it's a good thing. You know, I want to go back to retirement for just a moment. Uh, My definition of retirement comes from a guy named Dan Sullivan, who I've talked about on the show before. He has a program. uh, He teaches basically entrepreneurs and producers, people who basically they make a living based on what they sell. Uh, You know, the definition of retirement isn't doing all the things that you said were the things that are, you know, killing people. I I love the idea of, you know, reinvention and, and renewal. But he said retirement is just doing what you love to do and nothing else. If you can get rid of all of the things that you don't like, you can be retired at age 25. You know, if if you really love what you do, because, you know, and and we talked a little bit about that. This the the woman from uh, you said, was she from Iceland? Is that right? Who was? Yes. Yes. We're teaching these kids how to be bored. You know, and I think you do need to learn how to be bored because you will be bored plenty of times in your life. But if you can figure out how to do something in your life that you just love to do that, you know, for example, you know what I do. I get up in front of audiences and I speak and and. And you're awesome. Well, thank you very much. But you know what? I didn't get out of college and go looking for a company and fill out an application to become a professional speaker. No. And I think, you know, you moved into an area. And if you think about it, you said you were in theater. You were singing. You loved music. That was part of what you loved. And then Mm -hmm. you went to work for an agency and you were doing jingles. You were tying what you love to do into your professional career. My daughter That's wants right. to be in the music industry. That's what she goes out and does. I got plenty of friends of mine who, when they went to school, is what are you going to do when you get out of college? They didn't know, but guess what? Today they're bankers, they're lawyers, and they're the jobs that they decided they'd, okay, I'll go check that, and see, check that out and see who will hire me. And, and right, that's where they that's end right. up with. So anyway, I digress because we got to get back to the whole grit to great thing. I want to end with what you think the number one, and you kind of gave me the last, at the last moment, you just were talking about how, you know, grit has no expiration. And I think that's awesome. But what's the number one thing we want to take away from this book? One incredible lesson that says, okay, I got to learn more about that. I want to read more about that. I want to go out and buy that book today. I think the most important thing to take away is no matter what you – and by the way, I just want to mention to people that if they take our quiz on glitchagreat.com, almost 15,000 people across the country have already taken this quiz. You'll give you an idea of of what your grit level is, and then you can build from there. And We give a lot of tips in the book about how to do it. But I think the the best takeaway for me is – 
in writing this book, first of all, it was empowering to me because I helped develop my grit after writing this book. The biggest takeaway is there is almost anything is achievable if you are willing to put the stamina and perseverance behind it. And there is nobody who is above you. There's nobody who has an edge above you. And in fact, everything that you thought was the marker for success, get rid of it. This is the true marker for success and you can have it. I love it. I love it. And and that doesn't mean that if you are, um, you know, four foot three and you want to play in the NBA, that grit's no, going to well, get you through okay. that. But, but no, but let me just say, because I had somebody criticize me the other day uh, on this show, actually, for talking about how passion, if you follow your passion, and, and his example was, well, if you're a four foot three, you're probably not going to play in the NBA. I said, no, maybe not, but that doesn't mean you can't be president of the team. Or, exactly. you know, the, the, because you can get into that business. And, uh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's what it takes. It takes grit. It takes perseverance, tenacity. And you know what else it takes? It takes going out and getting this book. That's what it takes. <laughs> so the holiday time, we're in the middle of it. So get the book for somebody you haven't bought a gift for. Buy it for everybody in your office, for your best friends, especially for your kids. Buy it for yourself and make sure that when it comes time to that new year, you go in with a renewed sense of what grit is all about. Thank you. I couldn't have said it any better myself. Well, thank you, Linda. This this has been a great, great episode. This is why we call this Amazing Business Radio, because, Linda, you are amazing. And I appreciate you so much for taking the thank time uh, and spending it with us. We've been talking with Linda Kaplan-Thaler about her book, Grit to Great. Uh, you can go to the website, grittogreat.com, where you'll get the grit quiz, and it'll tell you more about the book. If you haven't gotten it, it's time to get it. My name's Shep Hyken. You've been listening to Amazing Business Radio, and I always like to remind everybody, stay amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.